Welcome to Connection Church's podcast. This week, Brandon Williams shares part one of a six-part series entitled 180, Turn Your Life Around. In this series, Brandon looks at the life of Nehemiah and the process he went through that changed him from a cupbearer to the rebuilder of a nation. In this first message, he explains that in order for transformation to take place, there must first be a burden of change. How about that? Anybody ever, ever felt like that? Have you ever been in that place? I think, uh, thank you, Bo. I, I have definitely been there myself. And unfortunately for me, it usually ends up being Wendy's and not 180 Fitness. But we did want to uh, just do a series on that. I was, I was praying through it, and I've always loved the 180 Fitness um, slogan, 180 Fitness, turn your life around. I was like, man, that'd be a great like, slogan name for a church, right? 180 Fitness. So we kind of took the 180 Spiritual Fitness, turn your life around. And what we want to do in this series is, is anytime you go to the gym, anytime you go to work out, anytime you start a diet, your goal is what? Transformation, right? You want to begin to transform your body to be something that it is currently not. And that's our goal spiritually too, is spiritually we want to become something that we're not at the moment, right? How many of you right here, right now would say at this point in your life, at this time, you have reached the pinnacle of Christianity and there is no more life transformation that is, that is possible for you? Okay, one person. And I, I know him to be a liar, so it's, <laughs> it's okay. We'll, we'll have that sermon later. Um, but, but it's the truth. None of us have arrived. And so in regards to that, there is um, this, this part of our life where we're gonna, we will constantly be being transformed to the image of God, right? And, and to look at this, um, this, this uh, topic, I want to look at a guy named Nehemiah. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to the book of Nehemiah in chapter 1. Because this guy's life is remarkable to me. This guy's life is, is, is the perfect illustration of someone who goes from really nothing at all to being a governor. Listen, this guy's job was, his job was that he was the, the, the cupbearer. For the king. He was actually in captivity. And this guy, he was an Israelite, a, a Jewish guy, and he was actually in captivity. And his job, his life's function was to test the wine to see if it would kill him. If it didn't kill him, then he gave it to the king. Now, not a whole lot of value placed on his life there, would you say? I mean, you know, because if he dies, well, anybody can sip the wine and see if it kills him. So this guy goes from being a, a wine tester, somebody who, who um, just makes sure the king's not going to die, to actually being the governor of Judah. He goes and he does an incredible feat that we'll see. He goes back and rebuilds a city, the city walls of Jerusalem that were torn down, that were broken down. It was a monumental feat. I mean, a work of God that nobody could claim that they did it. It had to be God. And as we go through this series, you're going to see the favor that was on his life. You're going to see the perseverance that he had to have. You're going to see all of these things. But, but we're going to take it one week at a time so that we can begin to see a path of life transformation for our sales. How many of you are excited about that? How many of you would be excited to say, my life is going to be transformed over the next six weeks? I'm going to learn a way that I can begin to walk and live in God so that I can be transformed. And so we're going to begin to look at that this week. Um, Nehemiah chapter one, we're just going to read verses one through four right now. Verses one through four. 
It says, the words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, I think that's his name. Um, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Han and I, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. Now listen to this. Verse 4. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept for some days. I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Let's pray. God, thank you for um, your word today. Thank you for um, the fact that it is a living and active word, God. That it is uh, part of our transformation, part of becoming more like you, God. I thank you for that. I, I thank you that today, God, we are here. I, I pray that there would be an excitement in our hearts about your word and about your, your message, God, and that it would truly begin a transformation in us. I pray, God, that we would each begin to um, be transformed from the inside. That on the inside of us, there would be deposited such a desire to live for you that, God, we'd have to act on it that we'd have to go after you, that nothing else would do, God, that your grace, your, your love, your mercy would be enough for us and that that would be all our hearts desire. God, I know that only comes through a life change and a heart change that comes from you. So God, we give you this time now and ask you to plant your word deep in our hearts. I pray that it would find good soil and produce incredible fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many of you have ever gotten really fired up and like, I'm going to the gym, I'm working out, I'm losing weight, I'm going to get the beach body, I'm going to be ripped, brown and ripped. You know, I'm doing the tanning bed, I'm doing the bike, I'm doing the, 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 the uh, treadmill, I'm lifting. And, and, and anybody ever made that decision? How'd that go for you? <laughs> and some of you are like, look at me. How do you think it went there, Mardelic? And, and so we've all done that. How many of you have ever made up your mind, today I'm starting a diet, it is a new life, I'm getting a new hairdo, I'm starting a diet, everything's changing, my life is changing, I'm done with this, and how'd that go for you? Yeah, it, it, did, it did good for me until like I passed Wendy's, and then I was like, man, they got french fries, and I love me some french fries. I love french fries like as much almost as I love breath, you know, I mean, that's how much I love french fries. They are so good, and so there are times, man, when, in life where, where we really want to do the right thing, but man, we, we just can't do it. It's just difficult. We've all been in that place where we have made up our mind, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, and then we don't do it, right? And, and it starts out with this thing. I don't know, maybe it's because of a comment somebody made about maybe like, hmm, you look like you put on a few pounds. I mean, that'll sort of drive you to want to do something, right? Or maybe you just looked in the mirror one day and you're like, whoa, what happened? Or, or whatever the, the cause was, there was something that happened in your life that caused this burden to be on your heart, right? There's this burden that's in your heart that you go, I want to change something. I want to transform myself. I want to do something about this. And when we begin looking at Nehemiah, the first thing that he had was he had a burden to change. Did he not? He had a burden to do something about a problem that he had heard of, that he knew existed. And so one of the things we want to see is that your transformation, your spiritual transformation really begins and ends with a burden. And I'll explain that. But it really begins and ends with a burden. There's got to be a desire. There's got to be a burden that I want to do something different with myself. Until the pain of remaining the same is greater than the pain of change, you will never change. 
Is that not true? Some of you have been through really tough things, and, and it took you getting to the rock bottom before you could begin to change your life. And we see it all the time. Why is it that people go to the doctor and, and they, don't, they don't do anything about their weight until the doctor looks at them and says, if you don't do something, you're going to die. The pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of change. Why is it that, that when we, we see alcoholics or drug addicts, they have to lose everything they have before they begin to make a change? Is this not true? It's because the pain of change has to be greater than the pain of what you have to do. The pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. And so we've got to see this, guys. Until you make up your mind that I want to be transformed, I want to be, I want to be what God created me to be, until there's that burden in your heart, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. You've got to decide that I want to be changed more than, than what it's going to cost me to stay the same because it will cost you. It will cost you. But you'll always get back more than what you put in. God will always give you more than what you put in. There's no doubt about it. And so we've got to begin to see this. So here's the thing. How many of you right now would say, I need another burden in my life? Anybody that just like, I just love burdens. I just love to feel. Because the definition of a burden is a heavy load or a weight that hinders you. Right? Anybody got one of those? Yeah? We all got some of those things in our life, right? This pressure that we feel. That, so nobody would say, yeah, I want another one of those burden things in my life. I could use one more. If I could have one more of those, my life would be complete. Nobody's sitting here saying that. Nobody's saying I need more burden in my life so that I can be exactly what I want to be. But here's the funny thing about it. I want you to hear this out of Matthew eleven thirty. Listen to this. Actually, we're going to begin reading in 28. It says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For listen, my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now think about this. This to me is, is a picture of the greatest exchange you can ever make. Because what happens is you bring your burdens to Jesus and Jesus takes those burdens and he says, listen, I'm going to give you something that is easy and I'm going to give you something that is light. I'm going to take all this stuff that's weighing you down and I'm going to place this on you and it's going to actually be easy and it's going to be light. Because see, here's the difference in the burden that Jesus places on us and the burden that the world places on us. The burden that the world places on us is actually something that hinders us and, and weighs us down. It keeps us from running the race and finishing the race that God's called us to finish. But the burden that Jesus gives us is more like a desire. It becomes a catalyst in inside of our heart, inside of our spirit that propels us to become what God created us to be. And this is what we're going to see is you will never become everything that God desired for you to be until you begin to look outside of yourself because of a burden that God has placed in your heart. How many of you have ever seen um, one of these, these commercials like for World Vision or something like that and, and you see these pictures of these starving children and what happens inside your heart? There's a burden, right? You want to do something about it. So when you go to a Christian concert, I don't know how many of you have ever been to a Christian concert, somewhere during the concert, they are going to plug one of these ministries because they've, they've had you singing, you're close, man, your heart, you're like, woo Jesus. And then they show these pictures and you're like, oh man, here, I'll just, here's my check for the next three months, just take it. 
you know, because you feel this burden. And so there's this thing that God does in our hearts that begins to move us to this place of being where it becomes a catalyst. It becomes something that propels us forward into what God created us to be. That's what happened with Nehemiah. Nehemiah looked at the people. He heard, he heard what was happening in Judah and Jerusalem. And he says, I've got to do something. But it was such a burden on his heart. I've got to go. I've got to go and help these people. So if we're ever going to get to the place that God wants us to be, it starts out with a burden. And today what I want to do is, is I want you to see sort of the path I believe that we have to take to get to a point where God's burden is in our heart, where we begin to see things the way God wants us to see them. Um, how many of you have ever been to a service before at church or, or maybe just a prayer time or something like that and, and God really touched your heart and he was really moving and, and you felt it and you're like, oh, I mean, perfect example of this is like the men's conference. Milan did an awesome job, by the way. God was so, so here in this place and, and a lot of men came forward and we, we, we all, we, we left things at the altar. How many of you have ever had that experience? You don't have to raise your hand, but ever had that experience where God really touched you and you laid things down and, and and man, you walked away feeling free. Maybe it was on a Sunday morning at 12 o'clock when the preacher finished, or if he was long-winded, it was like 12.30, and you came forward and you laid everything down, and as soon as you walked out of the church and you got in your car, you picked it all back up again. Anybody ever felt that? And it's kind of our human nature. It's kind of the thing that we, we, we do. We tend to want to put it down, pick it back up, put it down, pick it up, put it down, pick it up, put it down, pick it up. And so our life is an emotional roller coaster. But there's some things in life, like you, you see people at 9-11 or you see people during these tragic kind of things where people come close to God, do they not? And we come to the altar to get close to God. Why? Why is that? Because of a burden. See, the first step in, 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 in coming to a place where you begin to have your heart resemble the heart of God, where you begin to have the burden of God in your heart, this desire to change and transform your life and to go and do what God's called you to do and become what God wants you to be, the first step in this is you've got to draw close to God. You've got to draw close to God. And we do this all the time, but we lack a consistency with this. There's this thing that happens where for some reason we'll draw close during difficult times. How many of you have ever done this? Somebody died. You had, you know, there was a tragedy in your life and you drew close to God. God lifts the burden. He gets you through that tough time. You get back on your feet and you go back your own way. Anybody ever done that? We've all done that. I guarantee you, most people in this room, if we were honest, have done that. God got us through a sticky situation. If you're in college, maybe he helped get you through a final. Whatever it was, you were bartering and trading with God, you know. It's like you do anything in the world, just get me through the finals. Or you do anything in the world, just get me through uh, my job. Just help me make it through this week, whatever it is. And then we just turn and we walk away from God. See, that's the problem is that when you begin to draw close to God, some of you gave your life to Jesus, and then you just kind of went and did your own thing. You just went and lived it the way you wanted to live it. After that, you're like, well, I feel pretty good about that. Let me go. And then the next thing that, that, was, that bad came along, and you just went back and you got back with God. Right? Anybody? We, yeah. Real in here today? Yes, definitely. We did that. We do that. It's like God's like the lucky rabbit's foot in our back pocket, right? And it was just like we, we kind of walk along, and then something comes along. We're like, oh, God. <laughs> work for me, baby. Work for me. You know? Or, or, or like a, a, a genie and a magic lamp kind of thing. We, we rub that thing. Come on, come on, God. Come on, God. Or rolling the dice. Come on, God. Work for me. 
And we do that all the time. And see, the problem is that, that we stop. Now, now think about this. We come and we meet a real God, and he lifts a burden off of our heart. And we come to this place where we, we, we decide, well, that's good. I'm going to walk away. How ludicrous is that? How crazy is that, that we encounter the God of the universe? It, you don't know how many people walk through the doors of this church. They come in here. They, they need something. They're, they are needy. And they walk in. They hear a message. They hear the worship. They worship God. And God touches their heart. They're crying. <laughs> I love Jesus. He's, you know, and they're just weeping and wailing. And, 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 and they come to the altar, and they're crying, and we're praying for them. And, and we're just like, wow, man, you know, God really touched their heart. And then you never see them again. Never see them again. Until when? Until everything falls apart and they walk through the doors of the church again. It's, oh God, I love Jesus. And, and, and you never see them again. Some of them, they just disappear. It's like they fall off the face of the earth. But it, it happens. It happens all the time when people do this. And see, the problem is that we, we, we stop drawing close to God. Think about how crazy that is. Now think about this. Guys, um, girls kind of insert a guy here. But guys, think about this. If you had a date with the best looking girl in Bullitt County. I don't know. That would be my wife. So you can't date her. But <laughs> second best looking girl in Bullitt County. And, and you, you had a date with her. And, and she had the best personality. I mean, just top-notch. I mean, perfect. Loves Jesus. Knows how to cook, man. Can bake pies. I'm talking about just awesome, 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 perfect woman. And then you go out with her. It is amazing. It's the greatest time ever. You're thinking, this is the one. And then she gets out of the car, goes to the door. You walk her to the door. You get a little peck on the cheek. She goes in the house. You go back to your car, and you're like, eh, I'm good. Never had to see her again. Not happening. <laughs> Not happening at all. Never going to happen. Because you're going to want to see her over and over again. And somehow we miss this with God. You can't get so close to God that you've seen it all. That you've, you've been with him enough. And when you're drawing close to God, you really begin to see his heart for you, your love for you. There's something that begins to happen in you that you've got to get more of Jesus. There's no way around it. But the problem is that we draw close and then we begin to pull away. If we're going to become what God wants us to be, if we're going to be transformed to fulfill the purposes of God in our life, we've got to draw close to God and this never stops for the rest of our life. Every second of your life, you need to be drawing close to God. You need to grab hold of him and never let go. Because that's where you're going to get to where God created you to be. The next thing that begins to happen is we begin to draw close to God. And the Bible says this. The Bible says that when we draw close to God, God does what? Draws close to us. And see, that's awesome. And we're like, great, because I am, I got this burden in my life. And man, this is good stuff because I need God right now. So I'll draw close to God. God draws close to me. But what happens when you really begin to draw close to God and you begin to see God and you begin to see the character of God, you begin to see the perfection of God, you begin to see the holiness of God. What begins to happen to you? You begin to see who you really are. Is that not right? And the awesome thing about God, people, is that when we draw close to God, he draws close to us. He'll go, um, I don't think that's working. Let's... And we're like, oh, I don't know if I like that. 
And so we start to change. And then you get to this point, and you know you've all done this. Those of you who've walked with God for a while, who've walked with Jesus for a while, you get to this point where you're like, I'm pretty good. I'm good. And then all of a sudden, God's like, oh, yeah. Watch this. And it's like peeling off another layer of the onion. You're like, man, who stinks? It was like we were in the car. I was in the car with some guys this week, and one of them came in the office, and he was like, I'm just going to call him. It was Sean. And um, <laughs> so, so we, were, we were in the car, and we had gone and had a little lunch meeting, and there was, there was four of us in there. And so we, we get back to the church, and he comes in, and he's laughing. I'm like, what are you laughing at? He's like, the whole time we were in the truck, he's like, somebody is like musty. He's like, I was going, who stinks? And then he said, I got in the church, and I was like, whoa, it's me. <laughs> And, and so it's like that with God. We go and we, we, we get close to God and then we think sometimes we got it together and then all of a sudden we realize, wow, wow, I still got a long way to go. How crazy is it to think that we could ever have our hearts changed so much that we become good enough for a holy, awesome, perfect God? We can't. But I'll tell you what happens is in your life, and this is bar none, in your life, when you're following Jesus, when you are following God and he is changing and shaping your heart, you will get to a point, and probably many times, where what's going to happen is you're going to go, I don't know if I can take the next step. I don't know. I don't know if the pain of this change is really worth the results. I might just want to stay the same. And you end up stranded. See, the problem is not that you come to a place where you can't go any further. You, you can always go further. One thing I learned through athletics is you can always take another step when you think you can't take another step. One of the greatest things I learned through playing football and baseball and doing all that running that I hated. Thank you. And my baseball coach is over there. Um, but but I, that I hated, but I learned I can always take another step. You can always take another step. What you cannot afford to do is stop. You can't stop. One time I was hunting um, up in a little town called Keysville. Anybody heard of it? No, didn't think so, because unless you live there, you never heard of it. You have to get lost to find it. And so we were hunting up there, and, and we were there, and, and um, we were hunting. I get lost, man. I was terrible when I was young at, at direction. And, and so, I mean, I don't know how many times I got lost while we were out hunting. But this time I got lost, and I'm in a place I've never been before. And, and I'm talking about this is the backwoods of Georgia, man. I'm telling you, you could probably walk for days and not see anybody like that, that you'd want to help you, right? And, <laughs> and so... I walk and 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 finally I get to a paved road and I'm feeling pretty good about things because I've got, you know, some shells in my pocket. I've got my shotgun on my shoulder and so I'm just walking down the road, uh, the paved road with my shotgun on my shoulder and I'm like, I'll find something. They'll find me sooner or later. At least I'm on a paved road. Well, then this guy comes by in this little beat up four-wheel drive Toyota and he comes by and I'm like, man, it'd be nice to get a ride, but I know nobody's going to stop me with me carrying a shotgun on my shoulder. And so this guy pulls over and he's like, hey man, you need a ride. I was like, if you're willing to carry some, I'm probably like 15 at this time. I'm like, if you're willing to carry a guy carrying a loaded shotgun, then yeah, I feel pretty safe about that. Let's go. And so I jump in the truck with him and he says, where where were you? And I was like, well, I was over. He's like, well, you really are lost. And so he starts taking me down the road. and, And then it hit me. I'm like, what has this guy got? If he's willing to pick me up carrying a loaded shotgun, I'm like, what is in his truck? And then I kind of start getting worried. I'm like, what's he going to pull out over here in a minute? He's like, dirty hairy, you know? And so 
But you know, the biggest mistake I could have made when I got lost would have been what? Just stop. Just stop. I had to keep going until I got to something that, where somebody could help me. And when we're following God, there is always going to be a place in our lives where we get to a point and go, I can't go anymore. I, God, I can't give you anymore. I cannot do this. And see, here's the truth of it. I talked to at least, at least five people this week who are at places in their life where they said, I can't do it. And all five of them, I said the same thing, then you're in a good place. Because the minute you quit thinking that you can do it and you realize the only way I can do this is through God, you're in a better place. And so here's the deal. I want you to see yourself right here. This is where you are. And one of the questions I got asked that really made my wheels start spinning was I'm having a hard time finding the line of how far do I have to go and how far does God come to meet me? Where's the line? I mean, do I have to do everything and he does very little? Do I do, do a little bit and he does a lot? Well, this is what I want to tell you. This is what I feel like the Lord showed me. When, you, when you're here, this is what happened. God is as far from you. Listen, your sin has divided you from God and, and you can't come to him. But when you accept Christ, this is what God does. He comes all the way to you. All the way to you. I know this from my own life. I ran as hard and fast after, away from God as I possibly could. And the minute I turned around, I was like, whoa. He was right there. It's like nose to nose. I was like, whoa. But you know what? We didn't stay right here. See, God comes all the way to you so that he can take you all the way back to where you came, he came from. You see that? He comes all the way to you, and then he grabs you, and he's like, come on, let's go. And you spend the rest of your life being taken from glory to glory. He's changing your life and your heart, and he's moving. And somewhere along the way, as we're walking this path, we get to a point where we go, <sighs> kind of like me when I'm running. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can keep going. And so you're just there, and he's like, come on, let's go. And the tragedy is this. We stop right here, and eventually we do this. We start back this way. Because you won't remain stagnant. You're either growing or dying. You're either growing or dying with God. And so here's the thing that we've got to see. God is calling us. Listen to this. Out of Mark chapter 8. I'm going to read to you real quick. Three verses. It says, During those days another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. Now, this is an awesome miracle where Jesus feeds all these people. But the thing that jumped out at me is when he says, listen, if I send them away, they're going to collapse. Some of them come a long distance. I want you to hear this today and understand this. You will never go so far with God that he will not provide what you need to continue on. He will always meet your need to continue on. When you get to the place of going, God, I don't know if I can take this next step. I don't know if I can. You go back to the word of God and you see the promises of God and you say, I can keep going. He's going to keep transforming me, but I want to be, I want to get to that place that God's created me for. So many of us start out and we want to do what God wants us to do. We want to be what God wants us to be, but we get to that place and we stop and we end up beginning to go backwards. And God's desire is that we would continue to walk and let him change our heart and, and change us. See, the, the problem is that this process never stops. We draw close to God and then God draws close to us and then he begins to walk with us through the rest of our life, changing our heart. And here's the awesome, awesome thing. Our heart begins to look like God's heart. Is that not awesome? Y'all are excited to tell you, man. 
That is awesome. Because we get to take on the heart. We begin to manifest the characteristics of God. Whoa! Thank you! We begin to manifest the characteristics of God. We begin to look like God. We begin to talk like God. We begin to walk like God. The other day, Dave comes home. It's probably a little more than the other day. Probably uh, back at the early school year. So it's been a few months ago now. And he comes home, and my little seven-year-old, six at the time, walks in. And I'm like, Dave, you want to go out and play ball? He's like, dude, I don't know. He's like, dude, dude, that's cool with me. If you want to play ball, I'm like, well, dude, when did you start saying Dude. And, and it was because of the, his friends at school. Thank God that's like the only thing he said. But he comes home and he's, all of a sudden he's picked up this new language. He's like, dude. He called me dude. I'm like, I'm not a dude. I'm your dad. You call me dad. I'll tear you up. And so he, he starts, he, he, he's, but he was like, dude. And so now it's the funniest thing. All his little friends, they're all seven you know, years old. And they're all around like, dude, let's go ride our skateboards. Or dude, let's throw the football. Or dude, everything's dude. And it all happened like, bam. I was like, whoa. And so, but the cool thing about it, guys, is listen, that's what happens with us and God. We begin to walk with him. He begins to place his DNA on the inside of us. He begins to do some serious work in our hearts, and we begin to change. And pretty soon, this is the awesome thing. We begin to see things the way God sees them. Isn't that cool? That God begins to change your heart. He begins to change your insides, and you begin to see things the way that God sees them. And see, so here's the last leg of this thing that we begin to see God, we begin to see the things the way God sees them. And so there becomes this burden on the inside of us to do the things that God wants us to do. To go, listen, to see a need, and I've got to do something about that. I've got to do something. I cannot not do something. I've got to go. I've got to do something for this situation. And we begin to see things the way God does. And it actually becomes a catalyst. So it's that great exchange. He takes all the junk of your life. He takes all, it'd be like a woman going into a shoe store and there's a $100 pair of shoes, but they're 70% off. You get those babies for 30 bucks. That is a great exchange. Amen, women? That is a great exchange. That's what happens. We it, he comes and takes all of that junk and he places something on the inside of us that catapults us. It becomes a catalyst to get us to where he created us to be in the first place. Because here's the truth and you need, if you haven't written anything else, not write this. If you've got to write it on your hand, you will never, ever, ever get to where God wants you to be, where he created you to be, only looking at yourself. If Nehemiah had never been burdened to do something for other people, he'd have never become the governor of Judah. He never would have got to where he was supposed to be. At some point, our lives have to be changed to the point that we are ready to go and do what God created us to do and so that we can get to that place that God ultimately wanted us to be in the first place. But the lie is that I have to exalt myself to get to where God wants me to be, and it's not true at all. The path is to draw close to God. God changes your heart. He changes your, the way you see things, and you go and begin to do the things that God created you to do in the first place. Listen, I'm going to do something real quick because I believe this is important. I, I believe in having checkpoints in your life. You know what I'm saying? Where you kind of look at things and you go, eh, I don't know. Hmm. 
might need to do something about this. So can I give you like three real quick checkpoints? We won't be here real long. But I want to give you three things because, and I want to give you three checkpoints that'll tell you if I'm far away from God. Because I, I almost guarantee that all of us, me included, probably fall in one of these. And so I want to talk to you real quick. We just got a few, we got a few minutes. I'm just going to do it. We're going to be done. And I, I pray it'll be good. Look at Luke chapter 15. These are the checkpoints to make sure that you're staying close to God. Because remember, one was you draw close to God. Two, he changes your heart. And three is you begin to see things the way God sees them. And then when you begin to do that, there is a desire. There's this burden. I've got to do what God wants me to do. And remember that a burden in the world's eyes is something that is heavy. It, it weighs you down. But with God, it is a catalyst that propels you to do what he's created you to do. All right. Let's look at these. Luke 15. Verses 3 through 5. And, and, and you draw your own conclusion about this. I'm going to ask you in just a second. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully pulls, puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors and, together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I have found my lost sheep. And then in verses 8 and 9. Or suppose a woman has... Ten silver coins and loses ones. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. And then one more, verses 22 through 24. Say this. And this is about the prodigal son. He went away. He comes home. The father says this. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Now we read those three portions of Scripture. Can you draw one conclusion from all three of those pieces of Scripture? Maybe something that God values. Lost things, lost things. The first checkpoint is this. If, if we have no burden for the lost, if we have no burden for the lost, listen to this. Um, one time, uh, Dake was, ah, gosh, he was probably, I guess he was like a year old. And you know how you know, a child gets a cold, you go get some medicine. Usually that medicine will, unless it's like a steroid or something, um, it will kind of like make them drowsy. Well, he had not been sleeping very well because he was not feeling well. And so we were like, maybe this medicine will help him sleep, you know. And, and he didn't like sleep through the night until he was like, let's see, he's seven, he was six. Okay. And so, but we go and we get this medicine and we give it to him and we're like, maybe it'll help him sleep tonight. Well, at like two o'clock in the morning, we're walking around the house like this. You ever been there, parents? You're just walking back and forth, holding the baby. And he's just, ah, just screaming. And I don't know what it is about a baby screaming like that, but boy, it's like, it just frazzles every nerve. And we're sitting there and, we're, and, and finally we're like, sometimes he goes to sleep when we ride him in the car. Let's go to the car. And so we put him in the car. We ride around our neighborhood. Thank God gas wasn't like $3 a gallon back then because we rode a lot. And so we're riding around the neighborhood. Riding. Everything gets quiet. And we're like, oh, praise Jesus. And so we kind of both at the same time turn around and look thinking he's asleep. He's back there like this. <laughs> Eyes look like they're propped open with toothpick. And he's like, he's waving. He's happy. He's having a big time. 
but he was wide awake. How many of you have ever been like that over a, a bill? Anybody ever had a bill that was due and you laid there at night and you're just like, oh my gosh, how am I going to pay this? What am I going to do? How about work? You had something going at work? I'm guilty of this one, man. I'm telling you, you lay there at night going, oh man, what are we going to do? Especially when I was in the roofing business, man. Oh man, it was raining out. I could not sleep on rainy nights because I was thinking about what it's going to be like the next day. I was like, somebody's recently can I know it. And so we lay there wide awake. Have you, anybody ever done that? Okay, okay, so I'm strange and weird and nobody else has the same issues that I have. Now I feel isolated. Um, but we've all done that, right? We've all been in that place before where we've laid there awake at night. But how many of us have laid awake at night because we were thinking about people in the world who need to know Jesus? None. None. Probably. Maybe some. Not many. And probably not very consistently. And it's because our hearts, we got to get close to God. God values those things that were lost. God values those things that were lost. And he wants to find them. We, know, we all know people who are lost as a ball in high weeds. And some of them sit in church every Sunday. And we need to have a heart for those people. We need to have a heart to bring them closer to Jesus. We need to have a heart to show them the reality of God. So that's checkpoint number one. Listen, Nehemiah went from wine tester to a governor because he had a heart for those people who were broken and burdened and hindered by the world and by their oppressors back in Judah. The second one is this. Um, this is funny. You might not think it's funny. I think it's hilarious. But how many of you, if you're married, you understand this. Sometimes you just get like where you've been around each other maybe too much, you know. I, you know, I mean, honest, let's just be honest. You know, you're, you're the wife is like, can you go play golf, fish? Just, you know, just go sit in the backyard. Whatever you need. Can you, you know, and you're like, yeah. Well, one, one, di- one time Susan and I were at that place. And, and we were just at each other's throat for some reason. Every little thing bothered us. And so I'm sitting on the couch. She sits down in my recliner. And, and, and it's mine. I sound like my three-year-old now. But, but she sits down in the recliner. And, and she got, had gotten a bowl of cereal. And I don't know if this ever happens to you. But I'm sitting there trying to watch TV. And this is what I hear. It's like clank, clank. <laughs> clank, clank. <laughs> clank, clank. And I'm like, oh my gosh. She's like, what? I'm like, do you have to do that? And she's like, what am I doing? I'm like, that clank, clank, that thing. And she's like, I don't even, I don't even, I'm sorry. And then she knows she gets up and goes in the kitchen and finishes eating her bowl of cereal. But it was like the most annoying thing. I I just couldn't get past it. And she she wasn't doing anything wrong. I mean, I was being a jerk, right? But it was just getting on my nerves. And so, I mean, and it just bothered me so bad. Another time, I take um, Dake down to Snooky's to eat breakfast. So was, he had gotten to be where he was, I think he was probably about nine months old. And I was like, man, this is awesome stuff. We're going, I'm, he's my boy now, you know. And so I load him up. I'm like, I'm going to let the wife sleep in late. I got this now. He's big enough. I think I can handle him. I don't feel like I pick him up and his head would roll off his body. And so <laughs> I'm like, I, I can do this now. So I'm going to take him to breakfast one day. And uh, it was actually getting close to lunch. So we get down there. And, uh, and so I, I get him some green beans off the bus because I want to be a good dad. I want to make sure he eats his green beans, right? And so I get the green beans, and we sit down, and we start eating them, and he's kind of playing around. I'm like, man, this is, bad. this 
this is awesome, you know, because, it, you know, it's the father-son time. And so we get there, and, and he eats a few green beans, and we're sitting there, and all of a sudden, he turns around and looks at me. Bleh. I'm talking about like head to toe. And you know what it was? It was green beans. That is, na- I'm telling you, some, some vomited green, that is some nasty stuff. And it was covering me from head to toe. And it made me sick. I was sitting at the table. I was like, <laughs> I, mean, I was about to be right there with him, you know, because it was just nasty. It was gross. But here's the second checkpoint. Why don't we feel that way about our sin? Why don't we feel that way about the things that grieve God? Why, why, why don't we get that perturbed like I did with Susan eating the cereal about the reason that I feel like that about, yeah, that, about her eating that cereal? Why, why does that attitude not bother me? Why does, why does, uh, why, why does, do I not get grossed out by, by my sin the way that those green beans all over me <clears throat> gross me out? Why do, why do I not? Why do we not? Because our hearts are far from God. Because if our hearts aren't grieved for what, uh, what grieves God, then, then something's wrong. There's a disconnect there in our relationship. I mean, listen, some of us sitting here right now, some of us, uh, listen, I said us, are sitting here right now, and our sin's covering us, just like those green beans, man. And it is nasty, and it stinks, and we know it. And we need to do something about it. And the good thing is that you serve a God. You serve, you have a Savior who will come to you. And just like with Dave, I didn't get mad. I didn't, I, 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 I almost got sick. I didn't get mad. We just cleaned it up. And God comes to you and he will clean you up. And he will set you on a firm foundation. But listen, we've got to draw close. Some of us are in here and we don't even recognize the sin that's in our life. So much to the point that we look at everybody else and see their sin, but we don't see our own. And so we've got to be real honest with ourselves and begin to draw close to God that he can show us what uh, his heart is and what he wants us to become and, and getting rid of the sin. I want to read a scripture to you real quick. We're drawing real close to the end, guys. Hang in there. 4, 18 through 22. It says, As Jesus was walking inside the, beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat, and their father followed him. Listen, when you begin to follow Jesus, your life changes. I mean, one day these guys are in a boat the next day, they're, they're following Jesus Christ. Their life changed. I will tell you this. There are too many Christians today who proclaim to be Christians who their life has never changed. And I love every one of you. And, and I'm saying this for me too. As I get in places sometimes when I have to kick my own self in the rear end and get myself going. But there are too many people today who can do things continually and repetitively that they know go against the heart of God, the one who died for them, the one who died to save them, and it doesn't even register. And as Milan said this week, we need to wake up and realize that this is real. This is real. Now it's real quiet. Um, the last one, I want to read to you John 1.14. John 1, 14. 
It says in verse 14, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The last checkpoint I want to give you today is if the Word, the Bible, and prayer aren't important to you, then we need to look at ourselves. Listen, the Bible says that, that the Word became flesh. We need to realize that this book is different than any other book. One of the f- best things I heard Milan say this weekend was, was there was a lot of best things. It was like trying to get a drink of water out of a fire hose all weekend. You're just blown away by all the information we got. But the cool thing was he said, you know, the Bible is the only book that comes with the author. Isn't that awesome? I'm going to use that over and over. And I've given you credit now. I'll never give you credit again. So, so um, it's mine now. I inherit that. And thank you. Thank you for giving me that. But, but it's the truth. The, the Bible is the only book that comes with the author. Right? And so we, we begin to read it. The Bible in Hebrews 14, it says that it is alive and active, meaning it actually works in our life. And somehow we don't come to it and read it. Somehow we get to sit down with the author of life and share the word of God. And, and somehow we rationalize it to say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Listen, the biggest excuse, because that's what it is that I hear, is that I just, I don't understand it. I don't understand. But can, can I be just real, 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 real with you just for a minute? I sit down and read this Bible with my son sometimes, not his kid's Bible, my seven-year-old. And if I read from Matthew to John, somewhere along in there, I can't read more than one or two chapters without him finding something that he understands. Is that not true? The problem is some of us never pick it up to read it, right? We need to get in it. We need to get in it. We need to realize that this is a living word. This will change our lives. And our transformation is never going to happen if we're not being transformed by the word of God Something happens in our life, and, and we talked about this in the beginning, where we draw close to God, and then we pull away. We draw close to God, we pull away. I remember when I dated Susan, I mean, we would sit on the phone for like two hours, and nobody's saying a word. That's crazy. But we loved each other. I mean, we, I say we loved, we were like 10. How could we love each other? But, but we, we were so infatuated with it. We, we, we wanted to be together so bad. We would just sit there doing our homework on the telephone. So much so that her family put in another line at the house that we could talk on. You know, I started going to church. I hated church. Hated it. Why did I go? Because I could be with her. That's why I started going. You see, for me, the, the, the pain or the difficulty of what, what, what I was going through was worth it because of the end result. I got to be with her. And see, this is the deal, guys. There's no shortcut to a relationship with God. You can come to as many altar calls. You can do everything you want to do until you just buckle down and say, I'm going after God. And you get in the Word and you hit your knees. You've got the most awesome privilege that could ever happen if you're in Christ. You get to go boldly before the throne of grace and make your petitions before the God of the universe. And we don't do that. You get to spend time with the creator of everything we see and know and, 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 and that's around us. And we just neglect it. Because if we're going to become what God wants us to be, we need to draw close through the word and prayer. We need to get real about that because we try to make this Christian thing some, something that it's not. It's not all peaches and cream. It's not all about what it can do for you. You've got to buckle down. I've got to buckle down. I was, one of the things I was convicted of this weekend is I've become apathetic in areas of my study. 
yeah, I, I, I study to get a message, and I do a little other reading than that. But am I really going after God, or am I going after a message? There's a difference. We need to be about going after God and not just out of some religious mindset. It's about I'm going to spend time with the creator of the universe. And I believe this, if you'll make it a practice, if you would do it, and, and even on days when you look at your Bible sitting on the coffee table or the counter or whatever it is, and you go, my goodness, I don't want to do this. You pick it up and read it anyway because I'm telling you, it will change your life. And what you don't understand now, if you will study it, you'll begin to understand. And you need to realize this too, that if you'll get with other people, through a connect group, through, through some type of small group that you can share the Word of God with, you'll begin to see it transform your life. You will begin to see it transform your life. But we've got to be faithful to it, guys. No shortcuts. Let's just get in and buckle down and do it. Anybody else willing to do that? You willing to do that today? Just get in and buckle down and do it. All right.